Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being with us again today at this hour. Being a real estate agent is rewarding, but also very challenging. Lots of people get their real estate license thinking it will be quick and easy money, which might be uh, the reason why 75, more than 75 percent of real estate agents fail miserably in their first year. Also at this hour, Jordan Shea is here. He is a member of the Eklund Gomes team, the number one team nationwide in real estate. And since 2012, as business manager and director of resale, Jordan has overseen approximately $4 billion in rental, resale, and new development property transactions. He is now a full-time agent on the team, and we will talk to him about his journey. But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York uh, Real Estate. I am your host, Vince Rocco. In the news this morning, according to Halstead data, here are the results of some open house uh, highlights last week. Traffic was slightly better than the week before, like 5% stronger, 4.6% attendees per open house on average. Junior fours, the oversized one-bedrooms, were in demand last week. The record last Sunday was uh, at one Junior Four open house on the Upper West Side. 20 people attended. As usual, Brooklyn and Upper West Side show strong attendance. All other areas not so, which was kind of surprising to me, or just too few samples for meaningful conclusion. Most of the buyers were shopping in the 500 to $1 million range, and if you can avoid an open house by appointment only, do so. Last week, 70% more traffic was at normal open houses than at those that say by appointment only. On the rental side, Saturday traffic was much slower than Sundays, 1.75 people versus 2.21 people or 26% more traffic on Sunday. Non-doorman properties, uh, just 1.78 visitors per open house versus 2.15 in doorman buildings. Surprisingly, this traffic uh, for uh, owner pays or OPs versus non-OPs properties were identical, so people were going out for both. Uh, 2.6 visitors on average for each, and all properties were advertised, unfortunately, according to Mr. Horrigan on StreetEasy. The recently passed Tax Cuts and Jobs Act has preserved 1031 exchanges for real property, but has completely eliminated 1031 exchanges for personal property. Under the new law, real estate exchanges are subject to the same rules and regulations that were under the old law. As such, any real property held either as an investment or for use in trade or business is still considered to be like kind with any other real property that is also held as an investment or for use in trade or business. All significant timeframes, including the 45-day identification period and the 180-day exchange period, remain the same under the new law. I'm actually just doing a 1031 now. It's so funny. Um, Anyway, Cynthia Nixon's run for governor has New Yorkers in a tizzy and for good reason. In the Sex and the City star's much buzzed about Twitter video announcing her candidacy, she bills herself as a lifelong New Yorker. New York is my home, she says. I've never lived anywhere else and our leaders are letting us down. Well, isn't that interesting? How this political smackdown between Nixon and incumbent governor Andrew Cuomo will go is anyone's guess at this point. But in the meantime, it should be amusing. I don't know about y'all, but I have had enough of TV personalities going into politics. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Done. All right, let's get on to our first guest. Jordan Shea is a member of the Eklund Gomes team, the number one team nationwide in 2013, 14, 15, and 16, and it stopped there, I'm assuming 17 as well, right? 
We'll find out later today. We'll find out later today. Okay, I predict, yes. Since 2012, as business manager and director of resale, Jordan has overseen, as I said earlier, approximately $4 billion in rental, resale, and new development property transactions. As a broker, he brings this unprecedented expertise into each and every deal. Jordan is now a full-time broker uh, since 2017 on the team, and we're going to talk to him about all of that. So I want to start with something that I just read in some of the research. You posted on Instagram last September, I guess, when you made the switch over to becoming an agent. Today is a very, very big day in my life. As of this morning, I've switched from being in management administration to being a broker full-time. I couldn't be happier or more at peace with this choice and have known that uh, it was the right one uh for my life ever since Frederick and John suggested it to me last summer. So what I want to ask you is, so take us through your journey from <clears throat> day one of entering New York City, day one of entering real estate, and how you got to where you are today, which quite frankly is pretty significant. Um, well, a lot of luck uh, and a lot of like fortunate circumstances. But I think to be lucky, you sort of have to put yourself in a position to become lucky. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You have to work, you have to do the work, you have to learn, you have to educate yourself, you have to be diligent. And that's sort of where it all started. You know, I never intended to be in real estate, ever. I don't think anybody has ever did. <laughs> no, I wanted to truth. practice law. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and the only that. reason why I have the position that I have now is because a manager at a downtown Starbucks in Brooklyn forgot that he had an interview with me. And I was here in New York to get a job. I had seven days. Everything was very mapped out, like very specific. And this was my last day to get a job. So I show up and the barista says he forgot. He's not here. And this is it. But one thing I, I always appreciate about this city is that anything can change with like one conversation. It's all it takes. Everything is failure until you're successful. Everything is a no until it's a yes. And so... I went for one more no or one more yes. And this was back in the good old days when you could be anything in real estate. You know, we weren't very regulated as an industry. And there were so many executive vice presidents around, you know. It and was senior wonderful. vice presidents. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Senior vice presidents. And it was great. And so I'm on Craigslist trying to get a job, trying to pay my bills, trying to move to New York. And I see that an EVP at Douglas Elliman needs an assistant. So I go and I email, even though it says not to email. And I call, even though it says not to call. And she's very, very annoyed, this broker. She says, I said not to call. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I don't have time for not to not to call. And you don't have time not to hire me. It was the mm. ballsiest thing I'd ever said to anybody at that juncture. And she said, okay, come in for an interview. Uh, I was in her office at 575 within half an hour and had the job within an hour. 575 Madison Avenue here yeah, in New York. That's correct. That's cool. Um, yeah, it was super cool. And I quit three weeks later. Um, <laughs> yeah, she sounds like a treat to work yeah, for. Yeah, she's Tell us about that. Real yeah. treat. <laughs> um, you know, beleaguered and noticing that, like, I, the, the way that our particular branch on the floor had been laid out, uh, it was very cut up. And we were in sort of like a back office that really, frankly, was a closet with a window. Barely legal, could we ever call this? It did not have the um, uh, right light and air. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> um, so we're there, and she doesn't pay me on time the first week, or the second week, or the third week, or in full any week. And I went to my manager, who is still in the industry, uh, Nan Morelia. I love her very, very dearly. And I said, I've got to find another job. I'm out. 
I have to get paid. And I can see the writing on the wall and I'm never going to get paid. And she goes, well, someone else just let go of their right hand, their assistant, and he's looking for somebody junior. And I said, okay, who was it? And that was uh, Gilad, um, who to this day. That's I how owe, I met you when you were working for him. I owe so much to him because he taught me sort of the nuts and the bolts you know, he's the he's the frame and the chassis of my education in real estate because we were doing Riverside Boulevard, which, as you know, was just like unit after unit after unit. You stack and you show people 10 units in two hours from 120 to 100 to 80 to 200 to like 240 if you're lucky to get up to 240. Mm -hmm. um, and that was wonderful. So I served with him for a long time. He taught me absolutely everything that he could. He didn't hold back. You know, so many brokers are stingy with the amount of information that they'll give and the education that they'll put into somebody. But he saw potential in me, I think. And then I honored him for it. I was very, very loyal. Uh, a couple years later, two or three years after that, I got a call um, and on the line was Frederick. Or actually, no, it was one of his team members who I'd known who'd worked uh, on our floor for another broker. She left to join Fred. Fred called and he said, hi, this is Frederick Ackland. Do you know who I am? And I said, you know, I mean, that's a that's the most Frederick thing you could ever do. And I, I said, yes. <laughs> I said, yes, yes. He said, well, I need um, a new manager, a new assistant, and I was hoping to meet you. I've heard very good things about you. And, you know, I was, one, flattered, and, two, I realized it was, like, an opportunity. And at that time, interestingly enough, I was going to go out. I had already given notice, and I wanted to try being a broker on my own. And I said, this is an opportunity that you can't really pass up. And so uh, I met with Frederick and his business partner, John Gomes, who is love John. Lovely, lovely human being, really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And we met for we met once, and we met twice, and we talked and we hemmed and we hawed, and you know, they didn't have a sense of urgency. I had a sense of urgency. Was, you know, at that time it was a seller's market uh, for this position anyway. And then, uh, you know, I got the job. I was um, I want to say an hour and a half late my first day because uh, I mistimed the train so egregiously. I hopped in a cab thinking that would be faster heading downtown from Spanish Harlem, and it was not. And um, <laughs> let's just say that Second Avenue was very torn up. Thank God for that subway. It's still a mess. It's, it's well, the it's, subway it's is still, done, but it's still a mess. Yeah, but I'm at least now everything. it's not a two-lane. No. Not Correct. a two-laner. So, you know, the reason I wanted to you to take us through this is because we have a lot of, you know, uh, newer agents, a lot of, you know, agents who, and some come here from time to time just to, to watch the show, whatever. And I always suggest to, to newer agents, especially in today's marketplace, that if you can start as a team member or on a team or as someone's assistant, because I think, I mean, listen, back 16 years ago when I started, that wasn't an option. There were no teams. There, nobody really took on assistants, only the really top echelon. And you can count on one or two hands how many top echelon agents there were, had assistance. So I it was not an option for me. But today I think it makes sense for anybody new starting out because you learn the trade. It's not as you and I were talking offline before the show. It's not rocket science, but there's a lot of things that you need to know and a lot of people skill that you've got to bring to the table to become successful in this business. And so I've always watched you and looked at you and thought, you know what, you, you did it, I think, you know, the way it should be done because – uh, it's it's so hard out there, and especially today, you know, we'll get to it a little later on. Everybody wants to be a real estate agent, and most especially because of the reality TV shows, one and two of which you participate in. So it's more than just that. 
it's 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 doing the job properly and it's getting the job done. So I think what you do or what you've done and now becoming a full-time agent on the team, it's just kind of a journey that that takes you to where you belong, you know, at the end of the day. Well, I mean, to your point, I think people right out of college or even high school now are considering real estate brokerage in unprecedented numbers. Whereas before this was always typically a second or third career choice. Yeah. But with second or third career choices, mm-hmm. what's missing is the fact that there's like a certain age and experience level and acumen associated with the city. Mm-hmm. So you're having kids move to the city just to be real estate brokers. They don't even know how to get around, let alone what a market is, let alone what a co-op is. I mean, I mean really, the fundamental flaw is that the, you don't have any education or experience <clears throat> or knowledge, and that just goes down to life experience as well. You can't be good at this job unless you've experienced life and unless you're, like, educated about New York. It was a third career for me, and I think for most people, exactly. you know, you go from one to the other to the other. And again, because no one really plans to, at a school those days, to mm-hmm. become a real estate agent. Today, lots of people do, and successfully. All right, we have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America uh, Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. We're going to continue a little bit with uh, Gordon Shea here. We also have Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Sean McPeak from Compass, Ryan Garson from Halstead Real Estate, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead Real Estate, uh, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, and a $1,000 listing man soon. We're going to talk about that probably in the next week or two, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to, but I think, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right, anyway, so I want to get back to, to Jordan. So 
Oh. You said with the Gordon, place Gordon, or, Gordon or Jordan? Uh, Jordan, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we, just making sure. We, 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 we all caught that, Vince. Just yeah. an FYI. We, 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 we answered everything fine. over here. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to get back to when when you you wrote that on on social media last September that this was the the, the best day or the happiest day of your life. Is it because you became an agent now on the team, or just because you felt like you've gone from you know where you started on the team to now you know what you originally wanted to do? on your own and that is to become, you know, your own broker. Well, I think I'd always had a sense that my position was terminal and as much as I would eventually uh, be compensated past my actual value, uh, past what somebody else would do it for, and I always knew that it was not going to last forever. And with that keeping in mind, there, this being my chosen profession and career and like super skill set, like I knew that was basically the only option or just to pivot directly into management. Um, and I just had such a piece about it in a way that you don't normally experience with decisions. Like I knew it was right. And I knew I was loved and supported. And I knew that I would succeed in it because I had built the framework and the framework was already existing around me through the team and through my special relationship with Frederick and, of course, John, too. Got it. All right, so let's let's talk about reality TV on Bravo's crossover spinoff series, Bethany and Frederick, which I just saw the season conclusion last night on my DVR. Uh, and Million Dollar Listing star uh, Fred Eklund and real estate um, uh, New York housewife, rather Bethany Frankel, look for properties to invest in together. But not looking at when not looking at real estate, she is home with her daughter, and Fred is home with her husband, and now his two twin babies. While Frederick is out of town, Bethany looks at a property with Frederick's assistant, Jordan, you, in the Tribeca area. Tell us a little bit about that whole experience. I mean, you you seem to have been on most of those episodes this year. Is that something that you sought to do, or is that something that just happened in your day-to-day busy, crazy real estate career? Um, what's that about? Well, that um, filming is a privilege, and as much as it like just breaks up the monotony of a day, and it's very different, and it's also something that people don't I mean, very few people actually ever get to do. Um, and I enjoy it because it's super comfortable for me to do because also I, I've never actually seen a complete episode of any show I've ever been on uh, because I don't like the way that I look. The camera does add 10 pounds and I always <laughs> regret my outfit choice. It's very Johnny Depp of you. It's very like I, you I just can't have, handle it. You have nothing to worry about. Okay, oh, well, continue. thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so what is that experience like being filmed? I mean, that particular format, it's like it's it's just a different way that the show is produced. To put it, I don't know that that doesn't no, no, no. shine much light into but, it. But. but let me ask you something. So, and, and this goes to you know the million million dollar listing, and you know guys as well. So you know people look at these shows and and they what they watch with a certain eye, and people who don't necessarily understand the New York City real estate market watch with a certain eye and see the glamour and the the the, the fun and the the money that's all associated with this. I mean, tell us about the reality of all this. I mean, from your re- perspective. From my perspective is this. I mean, is, we're all in the business and we understand, you know, we're all the in the business is that um, it's actually far more real than people in the business, like, quote, real mm-hmm. than people in the business actually give it credit for. Um, the nearest comparable I could probably say is something like, I think there was a show on a long time ago, like 
911 something or other and it was like a reenactment we are basically a historical reenactment of events that have occurred and perhaps like a very well said a dramatization <laughs> to some degree for viewership obviously but nevertheless the historical accuracy of what we do is is actually fairly sound if you're watching it with like a discerning tongue in cheek eye i mean it's it's entertainment after all i mean you have to be entertained to watch rhetoric is awesome yeah, he really is. He, T- terrific he, entertainer. And, he's uh, a great entertainer. I one of the say. best. Uh, I mean, frankly speaking, uh, he and John are neck and neck the best brokers I've ever, ever seen. Work. No, I, well, I, I, I've done deals with them. And I, I, I mean, you I've know always, how they are. Yeah. yeah, totally. But I think on the show, you know, he's very entertaining. He's very serious, mm-hmm. but he's very entertaining. And I think it just comes across, you know, the way he wants it to. And I think, you know, obviously, how many, seven seasons, eight seasons already, they're yeah. doing a great job. So do you see yourself doing more of this next season? I don't know if, if Bethany and, and Frederick comes back, but I mean, million, million dollar listing will be back. Uh, who knows? I mean, I'm always sort of like a foil because uh, given our interactions, we have like a very different interaction that people have said that they enjoy watching. Um, but at, at this juncture, you know, I mean, he's the head honcho and you know, it's whatever he and whomever else makes decisions at network and on production. All right, so, so on to your becoming a broker on the team now. So what what do you see yourself doing that's really kind of different from what you have been doing the past year? Obviously, you're not managing anymore. You're not doing the administration anymore. You're not doing the operations stuff anymore. So you're going to be focusing just on generating business with the team, for the team, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, really, it's just translating, like, my natural skill set um, and making it Instead of that thing being for the financial benefit of Frederick and John and the team, now that thing is for my financial benefit. It's really not that much different other than the fact that my schedule is whatever I choose to make it. Right. And I have almost no stress, like down to basically – I'm probably at 10% of the stress level I was before. Yeah, I don't think people realize when you're in an operations position on a team, you know, running everything, it can be probably even more stressful than if you are a sales manager, which I have been mm-hmm. in the past, and that has its own host of, you know, yeah. stuff. But when you're when you're dealing with deals, and we all know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is depicted on the show, but I mean, a lot of it is intense. And yeah. so you're probably involved in every one of those intense situations, which kind of makes it crazy. Well, the breaking point for me was when we... Um, we were doing a second very high-profile building takeover. We were launching uh, an international book. We had another television show. We had a radio show, like a brief one. And then our spring market pipeline from last year and our closings from our other new developments that we do. It was just, it was just too much. And I just became so overwhelmed. On a rating uh, scale of 1 to 10, this new assistant, are they as good as you or, you know? Well, there are two of them. Not. What kind of question is that? Well, uh, no, I'll, I'll be honest are you with concerned you. concerned for them at all? They're, they're, <laughs> there are two individuals doing it. The role is much more defined and less instinctual. Um, we have gone, since that, we've transitioned more into, like, a, like we function uh, on much more corporately in a way. The team structure does with, like, proper designation of roles. We brought on Julia Spillman, who's just been... A goddess. She is wonderful. Um, and she's helped bring in her like Merrill financial background into what we do and really honed it. So an answer to your question, yes and no. That role doesn't exist the way that it was before because we're not doing it gut check instinct, think as quickly as you can and be as likable as possible and hopefully like nothing blows up. Like this is not, not a house. Of, this is not a house of cards. This is like 
this is now like very foundational, solid stuff. Well, yeah. Well, but what people don't really realize is on teams like this, and certainly on Ryan Serhan's team, you know, uh, another one. These are little companies. These these are companies within companies. They're big businesses. You're their number one, number two agents in the nation. So you know, there's a lot of transactions per day, per week, per year that go through these you know, these these teams. So you got to take your hats off to them and say, wow, you know, you, you start from zero, just like this show started with no mm-hmm. one listening to wherever we are today. It's, it's a whole build and it takes a lot of time. You know, we're very fortunate because we're very well supported by our manager, Chris Peters, whom I'm, I know you know, um, and then like Dottie and Howard. And, you know, they empower us, just like all of their other agents, to just go forth and make money. That's it, right? And we are incredibly like fortunate to have that support as our, you know, as every agent. They just don't realize it necessarily, and you know, it is what it is. But all right, Jordan's going to stick with us for a little bit. We're going to move on. So, being a real estate agent is rewarding, but also very challenging. Lots of people get their real estate license, as I said in the beginning, thinking it will be quick and easy money. Jordan just explained his journey, which might be why more than seventy-five percent of people entering this business eventually drop out because in their first year, by the way, because they realize this is more than just, you know, the million dollar listing guys running around and making it all look so glamorous. It takes marketing acumen, ambition, and the right tools to be successful in this industry. Still certain misconceptions persist. So I want to get into a whole bunch of things over the next segment or two, but what, what role does technology play in your businesses? I mean, I can tell you from, you know, 16 years ago when I first came in, Technology meant our computers where we searched for listings. Our marketing department had some graphics that they put flyers together and stuff, but that was it. So today, technology includes social media. It includes way better advanced marketing systems. What and how does technology play in your business or does it? Because I still hear some agents say they can't be bothered with it. And of course, well, I think I think the first thing that we need to remember is that back in the day, you didn't have a cell phone to run around with. So the first thing about technology that just is game changing is that you don't have to be sitting at your desk anymore. And now with the way that we look for listings and, and uh, research for our buyers and sellers, we can do that all on a, on a mobile device. So that to start it off is just a complete, I, I mean, I started 17 years ago when you had to sit in front of your desk to do everything. any search, everything. And I don't know how you, I mean, I, I can't really remember how I managed to show and research all at the same time. And it was new. And I mean, my, I hated my first year, speaking of getting well, you had to, You had to do everything you could. I mean, I even came to New York and I didn't know much about New York. So I would have to not only research properties. Well, first, we were all talking about this before is Craigslist where everyone was kind of on Craigslist trying to figure it out. Jordan, you know, got a job that way and everyone's figuring out how to get leads and that was the main way to do it. And then I'd have to put the ads up, get the leads, and then uh, from there I'd have to search where I was going and then create a map so that I knew where I was going so I could guide a client because I didn't even know the city. And that's kind of how everyone started. And now not only can you have your your iPhone or your Android, you could take that and you can link it through Wi-Fi and have your laptop and be completely you know portable and mobile, plus 90% of the stuff that you could do on your, on your phone yeah. um, or on your laptop, you could do on your phone now, which right, makes exactly. it so much easier where you can be – you know, real estate's important. It's important to be places, not yeah. just, you know, be in the office. You know, if you're in the office all the time, you're probably not doing much, yeah. much business. Yeah. So technology allows us to be more out, yeah. you know, and, and I open think, in, yeah. in connecting with people yeah. more. And I think at this stage, it's just a matter of reminding people that you exist 
because the business just comes to you if you're, you know, like Ryan Garson sitting next to me is, um, is you're tweeting or, you know, yeah, like, I mean, doing the show. Instagram video is everything for me. Um, I mean, I'm probably do seven or eight posts every single day and, and I, people really get a feel for like who I am, what I'm doing. They're seeing my deals. I'm going on my, uh, my website and I'm showing them my listings and I get a ton of interaction, but like Anna said, like, I'm on my phone all day, every day. I'm doing deals on my phone. I'm emailing. Um, all I can say is thank God for unlimited data. Right. Well, I'm losing my eyesight, and I go through 200% battery every single day. <laughs> well before 7 p.m. I think the technology has also increased the expectations of our customers. I mean, they expect totally. you to um, yeah. you know, respond instantly, and yeah, they expect results instantly. Uh, I'd say probably the most revolutionary app besides Instagram in the past five or six years has been Uber. Uh, I think that's totally changed the game for me personally, mm-hmm. just being able oh, to yeah. get around the city and to take people on client tours and just... You don't have you to a reserve a car a week in advance. Well, it's also expanded the boundaries where people are willing to live in the city. Uh, people aren't so hooked on the subway mm-hmm. like Chelsea. West side of Chelsea is a good example. Um, and then I say one other app that I've recently started using within the last six months, um, relying on heavily, is uh, Inbox for Gmail, which is amazing for organization, for your contacts, mm-hmm. reminders, um, calendar updates. It's all like in one app. Is that a Gmail? Is that a Google app? Or is yeah, it like a, Google a, a third party? It's a Google app. Okay. Um, and it puts all of your email in one and it puts all of your contacts in one? Yeah, so it'll categorize, categorize your emails into like folders almost, like right in like as your regular inbox would flow. And then I you're, wrote it down. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, it's, it's cool. You have like your, uh, reminders in there. You have calendar updates and it'll even, uh, automatically remind you it has, um, canned responses, which I love. It's like, you know, if, if someone writes you an email, you, it has like little phrases you can choose from just to shoot quick replies, which I love. Right. So I'll uh, look into it. I'll get back to you. I can super only you need to download little, it, not write it little, down. Little, yeah. little fra- well, I will. Major pro tip. Please little attach. phrases for certain people. Isn't that something? Yeah. Are we going to take a break? We are live from Blast Downloading it now. Here in New York City, we will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
with the panel, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, Sean McPeak from Compass, Ryan Garson from Halstead, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, Noah Kaplan from Nest Seekers International, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and we have Jordan Shea with us from <laughs> Douglas Elliman. And- <laughs> Not Gordon, ladies and gentlemen. And the, and the Eklund Gomes team. So here we go. All right. So. My next question with all of this media stuff is, so what are your t- what are the top tools that you use every day? I mean, I heard all of you, you know, talk about your iPhones, which, quite frankly, I mean, saved our life, I think, in real estate. But what other tools are available, I guess, under the social media umbrella or just under the, the, the marketing and media umbrella that have become, like, so important that you can't do without? I mean, iPhone for sure, my iPad, I run around the city with my iPad constantly. I mean, I use that more than a laptop. But what else yeah. is very important? I used why? to use uh, I used to use Constant Contact, mm-hmm. um, and then I switched to Mailchimp, and I will say it was like a game changer. Um, so much better, right? The interface is yeah. insanely better. Yeah. So I just quality for, for those is, that do use. I mean, I, I hate to be like a hater on Constant no. Contact, but it was driving me insane. No, no, it's no. It's terrible. So much and Mailchimp is is, yeah. is beautiful. I'm like really so very passionate. Is, isn't that what Halstead uses to power um, pilot? Um, pilot? Is it Mailchimp? I think. No idea. Uh, yeah, I don't either. But I, but whatever it is, it's it's wonderful. Yes. But I agree with you. Mailchimp is great. So I think the Mailchimp just. To, I, I had the same idea about um, constant contact, and I love Mailchimp. And I've been using it recently to contact and stay in touch with. I think what Anna was saying is that you just need to be in front of everybody and remind them that you're in real estate. So I've been sending out a, a newsletter for some time now, specifically to you know buyers and you know people, like contacts, not to other brokers. Um, and it's been a great way to get feedback. And be at top of mind with everybody on a monthly basis. And that's one of the most important things is just staying on, in, in front of everybody. And then when it's time for them, because it might not be today, then they're going to reach out to you. Hey, Nick, can I just say something about that? So sure. um, I totally agree with that. You have to be in front of people's minds like as, as a real estate agent. And for those of you out there that when like a loyal, a quote unquote loyal client for some reason maybe doesn't use you and then you ask them why and it's like, oh, I didn't know you were still in the business or, mm. I, or my best friend or, or someone at work was just talking. I was talking about real estate and someone next to me at work said, oh, I have a friend that's a real estate agent. You personally as an agent should make that your fault. In other words, like I used to be upset when I first started. I'd be like, how dare you? How dare you not use me? And I would have like a little anger, you know what I mean? Like, and I would direct it toward the person. And then I said, no, no, it's 100% my fault as the agent. It's my job to make sure I am in front of that person constantly Mm -hmm. so that if for some reason they go with someone else, I know for a fact it's not because they didn't know my name and didn't remember me and didn't think about me. Yeah, but Insta- 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 just didn't like you. <laughs> yeah, the, the Instagram well, and Facebook has t- made that a lot easier. The social media, I mean, especially Instagram stories. I mean, I just know there's certain customers I have that I see them watching my my story. And like Ryan was saying, you can kind of just like post updates of cool stuff you're showing, open houses, mm-hmm. views, whatever. And uh, I see people following me and then they call me. Yeah. All right. To, to, to key off on something that Phil said and then you. So what, what then becomes the best way to build those long-lasting client relationships to find them, to keep them, and to, you know, nurture them as I'll time goes. I'll just start, and then you got you guys Because the, the whole crux of our business is, you know, the finding of the client, and then doing something with them, selling with them, buying with them, and then 
keeping them? How do we? I how think do you, you have build to find a few a few tools that work for you. Like you can't use everything. Some people try to use every single social media tool. I think you have to find a few that work for you. Instagram is, I will say, is like really taking off. It's the number uh, one. It's, it's like it is, is the yeah. listing system. And, it's everything. And I only got on there a few months ago, and I was like, oh, this is where everyone is. Like it was it was kind of that feeling. Yeah. So if you're not on Instagram, you should probably that be on means Instagram. nobody's on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. The engagement between Facebook and Instagram yeah. right now, it, it, Instagram is just blowing it away. I think with all the bad publicity that Facebook, nobody. It's just a, it's just like it's just for Facebook. It's more personal. It's like people you already have a close yeah. relationship with. I have I have one kind of out of left field. I've actually closed a few deals with clients that I played words with friends with, which is like a app. For, I've had like a, a lot of success stories from that. Actually, wow. I grew up I playing uh, Scrabble pretty hardcore yes. oh, in my wow. family. So uh, uh, words with friends. It was like a way that um, initially, before Instagram even came about, was where I was um, kind of staying in touch with like my clients. Is that through a Facebook app or is that no? Through, no, it's it was a separate app. It's a yeah. separate. It's a separate. You know what though? App. I mean, I think I think, and I totally get that social media is you know where it's easier to connect with multiple people at once. But I think that a lot of people kind of use it as a crutch because when you're working with somebody and you're you're helping them buy or sell and you're connected with them, you have a genuine opportunity to get to know them well, where you can actually have a genuine relationship as opposed to just how do I stay in front of this person to you know, get more business. I mean, and I think that once you know certain things about people, you can, you know, send them an article about, um, you know, something that you guys have in common or something that that person mentioned to you and make it more personal. So I'm I'm all for it. But I feel like also Instagram is a great way to get in front of people because you can see what they're doing. And since you have that relationship, you can comment and build that relationship further. So that when you're in person, I think it has to be more personal. But when you're in person, you could, you could use that information when you're in person, be like, Hey, you you know, you want a a chai latte, you know, or you know, know? but to Anna's point, I, I agree. I don't, I think we, you're both right. So I don't think I don't think Ryan's saying only use that. I don't think Anna's saying only use. No, 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 no. But I no. think it's a combination. It's a combination. Sure. It's, so you have to have the direct contact. This is a people business. It'll always be a people business. You have to have that in, in direct contact with the person. But social media is one way to just make sure people remember you. I mean, look, when you're if, you, if people don't buy an apartment every day, they don't rent an apartment every day. So when a year goes by, a lot of things happen in that client's life. They may not be thinking about you. So it's just a way to like be like, oh yeah, I love. I loved Anna. You know, I, I loved Ryan. I, let me use them. You know, just kind of remind them. It's a, a good people, way to humanize yourself too. It's just yeah. not like, uh, I think yeah, a lot of people. Family when, and, yeah. yeah, when they when they think of real estate broker, they instantly have like their defenses up and they think we're just trying to solicit them. But it's also, you know, you can actually 100%. make yourself like a more well-rounded person. That's why I think image. if you add a little bit more of the personal of you and your life, and I see it with all of your Instagram posts and mine included, because people want to know who you are. Because Vince, I think it's only fair. You're, <laughs> I think it's only fair. So because, because you're right. People have a, a you know pre you know whatever of what a broker is, and then if they got, get to see you from a different perspective, and then get to see your business, yeah, you get stuff, to show your personality a little your bit. Your personality comes through, and they may say, "Hey, you know, listen, I've gotten business from all of it." And so people say, "Can you can you really find clients this way?" To be, yes, you can. Yes, you can. To be honest, I think the I think nobody cares. I don't think anybody cares anything more about you. They care way more about themselves. Right. <laughs> and no one cares about your one bedroom on the Upper East Side. But isn't that they why social don't. media is Except what it for is? Brokers. But it's a reminder. Brokers see what you've got. Right. And that's who. That's why I do real estate posts for brokers right. to see what I've got as terms of inventory. Because there's too much inventory on the market, and there always will be. And you'll miss it. But you might right. follow me, and so then you see that post. But for actual humans, like people that aren't, 
us. Uh, it's all just personal things. I think it's it's about building an audience, and then you have to select what you're going to sell to them. Um, you know, honestly, Frederick's book is is one of the best guides to social media. If you know, I think every broker should be reading it. But you know, he has like a cadence to his social media where it's like four posts, and then he hits you with like a listing or something. It's like personal, well, but, but <laughs> you know, shirtless, you know, whatever. But it's small, but it's you know, the guys but, are brilliant. But, but I follow him, and it's it's true. You you watch the personal side of someone who's very big in this business, and, and it's then like all new development. Sudden, yeah, mm-hmm, correct. And then then you see, oh wow, this is why he is where he is because look at this post, or look at this listing, or look at this you know success story, whatever. And I think that's what and I was going to say. You know what? What do you think is the most important when you're trying to develop, whether you're a new agent or or you know, an existing agent? And we've all been in the business a long time here. But so, what do you keep in mind when you're trying to? Uh, create this online presence. I mean, what is it that you're really looking for? I agree with what, what um, Jordan just said, that it's really about them. It's not necessarily about you. But maybe every once in a while, they'll see a post that you put out there regarding a one-bed or a five-bedroom, whatever, and they say, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I want to look at that. I, well, I think most people in general are just waiting for you to stop talking so that they can talk. <clears throat> I mean, in general, no <clears throat> one is listening. And I think that's very true online. And I think that, you know, frankly speaking, it is 100% what you're saying. You have to make a personal connection with them first. You just do. It's everybody's 15 minutes of fame, okay? Everybody who wanted to be in front of the camera, in front of the lights Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, social media, if used incorrectly, really becomes everybody's platform for their own personal stardom because everybody feels like a star, correct? The reason why the selfie exists today is because that person literally had no one else with them to take their photo. Right. <laughs> That's going to be a segue into our next next segment, trust me. But do we all agree that social media is important and for new people in this business, you know, they've got to establish something, but I agree with you that you've got to have that connection first. There are other ways to make these connections. I definitely think it's important. Um, I, I personally like to be more personal. Um, I think that if anyone posts only real estate related posts, then I think you're going to be falling on deaf ears 100% because it's just Ignored. enough yeah. is enough. Totally. Um, so I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably 90% personal and then I'll throw in a listing or throw in something that my team and I are doing. And, you know, I mean, I think I get more more interest that way. Your be- post with your dog, I mean, that yeah, besides to me, me posting, because I do the same thing with mine, right? So I can relate to something like but that. But besides sense to my, me. besides when I post, like I'm looking at other people's posts all day long. I don't know. I, it's kind of like what I do. I'm when I'm in the subway, I'm looking at other people's posts. I comment, I like, and I think that engagement like builds mm-hmm. a relationship because you know what? We're all so busy. We're New Yorkers. I don't have time or they don't have time to pick up our phone or send an email, but you know what? A, a like here or like, oh, that looks like a lot of fun or that looks delicious. Like those little comments, they really make a difference. I mean, every one of us is looking at how many likes we get and who commented on after every post yeah, that we do. I can tell you, mm-hmm. I just don't want to look at food snapshots <laughs> at seven o'clock at night when I'm hungry and I haven't right. even thought about what's dinner going to be tonight. Or what about when they have these delicious meals. like 10 meals and you're looking at all 10 meals. Right. Like, and come it goes on. By t- yeah, exactly. Yeah. 10 times. <laughs> all right. We've got a minute left in this segment. So last question, what separates a good agent from a great agent a good agent i'm assuming everybody's great a uh, good but what makes somebody great what's the separation I think you have to believe in yourself believe in your business know know the market know um the competition and you have to be kind 
to each other. I think that um, utilizing your support as everyone sitting at this table and everyone in the industry, I mean, there are a lot of people that are not willing to give information out. But I've come. Yeah. most of the people I've come across are just waterfalls of information, and it's wonderful. Also having emotional intelligence. Yeah, You can yes. have that's, all the aspiration in the world, all the motivation in the world, all the cutthroatness in the world, but if you are good to the people around you and you try to, uh, you know, sort of, Assage situations that can get out of hand, that helps your longevity. Yeah. I think the uh, difference between a good and a great agent is to have the mindset of sort of, um, I guess, uh, how do I, what's the best way to put it? Um, I guess, how, how are you going to be? Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I'm gone. <laughs> I had this awesome. great, I was, amazing I, idea. I want to kind of add to what you are perceived or how you right. want to be perceived. Yeah. And you want to get out there and be, <laughs> you know, I always say to people, especially when I was managing, you always want to be. A cut above the next. You've got to figure out a way to make yourself stand out above the crowd because there's a crowd of us out there, and those are the ones who are going to be recognized. we got to take a break. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Jordan, Phil, Sean, 
Ryan, Anna, Noah, and Niall. Wow. And I didn't even have my Cheerios this morning. I cannot, for sure. All right. So as somebody mentioned, I think it was Jordan, the selfie generation earlier is revolutionizing the real estate game in the Big Apple. So with some statistics, one in five millennials bikes. There you go. Bikes at least once a week. Two-thirds don't have landlines, and nearly one-third are self-employed. By 2020, millennials are projected to comprise 50% of business travelers. That's interesting. Uh, And more than one in three Americans uh, were millennials as of last year, surpassing Gen X. There we go, to becoming the larger uh, share of the U.S. workforce. Interesting. Wow. And they just decided that I'm Gen X, and I love that. Isn't that something? <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, mention the term millennial, and you may as well run for cover. The generation of young adults who came of age during the financial crisis and in the glare of social media, everything we've talked about today is both lauded for embracing innovation and social responsibility, but despised for being lazy sometimes and self-indulgent. Uh, but the sheer numbers take Make millennials, those born between 1981 and 1997, all but impossible to ignore. Currently, 75.4 million strong millennials surpassed the baby boomer generation last year, according to research. One in five New Yorkers is a millennial, according to the data from the U.S. um, Census Bureau. And their ranks are growing thanks to the influx of millennial immigrants, immigrants to the United States. Their collective spending power is equally enormous. This one got me. Millennials spend $600 billion a year, an amount expected to balloon to $1.4 trillion by 2020, according to the consulting firm Accenture. So tell me, all of these people spending lots and lots of money, $600 billion a year, are they buying New York real estate? And Maybe not, Bitcoin and, 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 to start. And if not why? I think you know. Was it twenty percent of students uh, are paying with their student loans or buying uh, hey, cryptocurrency I, with it? I so I'm not sure. With Bitcoin <laughs> I think the millennials have a lot to thank to the baby boomers because a lot of the millennials that I'm dealing with are getting gifting money and they're definitely active in the market. They want to buy. They know it's a good investment, but they're getting help. Well, they they are getting help, and and, and a lot of people are uh, through the years have gotten help, parental help, whatever. Um, but they're still spending a lot of money. They're still identifying things. I think at their age today that kids back twenty years ago didn't identify. I mean, the world was different, but it's a whole different world. So I think they're a lot smarter, and I think they're a lot more uh, advanced. Yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of things that you know they could be. Um, you know, tagged along with them as well, but the entitlement is a little crazy sometimes. But they're spending money, and I need to know if they're or why they're not spending enough here in New York City. Because I think a week ago we did a story where they're spending more in the suburbs uh, than they are in the city. The R- Ryan's right. I mean, if they're spending if they're spending money on New York real estate, they're spending somebody else's money on a down payment. I mean, I think when you started out in the financial crisis, for instance, I mean, a lot of us weren't getting high paying jobs. I mean, I found that a lot of people who graduated college before me and people who graduated after me kind of were a little more elevated in the workforce, honestly. What are they spending on? If it's not real estate. I've travel. 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 It's all about (laughs) experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about experience. So they're living in a small one room studio. Potentially, and they're traveling around the world, and they're feeling like they need to gain experience, want to gain experience, become more cultured, mm-hmm. um, out to dinners, maybe, great, maybe theater. My uh, yeah. my mom. I want to ditch my Gen X status. Right now. <laughs> yeah, my mom <laughs> so uh, recommended I. that I leave the city and go and travel Europe for uh, three months, so I did that. 
um, for three and a half months, and I traveled to 19 countries. Did she pay for that? She didn't. I paid for it. Okay. But I was I paid for I'm a I'm a true millennial because I lived with my parents for several years, saved money from a startup job, and then and went to Europe and blew it all. <laughs> Uh, there's you. an honest guy. And you can talk about it forever. Exactly. Uh, let's Incredible talk about the profile of the millennials then who are buying real estate in New York City. I mean, are they characteristically very different than baby boomer in, in doing a transaction with them, regardless of who's giving them the down payment money, but are they characteristically different than the baby boomers, the Gen Xs, or the people buying I think they're, they're time, very savvy. I mean, they have information at their fingertips mm-hmm. and – I think the the main thing is us as real estate agents, we're professionals. We do deals all the time. We see, you know, hundreds of apartments is is really showing them value and and context to the data that they have. Exactly. Right? The, the, these these folks have so much data at their fingertips. It's it's important to give context around it, especially if it's you know, for example, a co-op. You know, is are there subletting restrictions or is there no co-purchasing like that kind of stuff? They might not necessarily even yeah, think they don't. About. They, they shy away from co-ops. I mean, for sure. Well, well, and they and they rightly should. I mean, because they're not established enough, you know, to to get into some of these co-ops. Maybe some they can, but most they cannot. Especially when there's a fifty percent requirement as a down payment. Yeah. Some even more. The way they the way they look at properties and developments and buildings is like through the lens of like Pinterest or Instagram. They expect this curated, well decorated experience. So I think with like rental buildings, you're seeing in Williamsburg and especially financial district, which is like. You know, I have found the quality of, of, of the, the millennial buyer today is so much better than, you know, buyers of the past. Yeah, we've been armed with a lot of data and a lot of, you know, in, information through the past you know, 10 years or whatever. But lately, these guys and gals are pretty sharp. They know exactly what they want. And if they don't see it in your social media I guess that's what the point is, or they don't see it on a website, or they don't see it in a listing, you know, uh, text write-up, whatever. They will just pass. They expect, their expectation is a lot greater today than it ever, you can't pull anything over on this buyer today. You cannot. And they don't want to be just sold, right? They like, do no, you not. Can't and that actually gets back to what I forgot no, before, because I was going to say, yes. before I was coming say, back. Here we go. Here we go. As a real estate agent, you want to get, you guys, you want to be, not a baby. Don't worry again. So I'm going to interrupt him. Go. Please break down. You want, I'm going to forget again. No. You want to be a, you want to think of it as a consultant and an advisory role. And I think that the, the broker that approaches it as a salesman job, especially with the millennial buyer, this is not, it's not going to work, especially with all the information at your fingertips that you have now and all this data, you have to look at it like, look, I'm, I'm an experienced agent. I'm going to provide context for the buyer. I'm going to be an advisor, a consultant. If you have that mindset, that that is, the great, I think, the great agents. They have that mindset. And they look at the long term, not the short term. My first, yeah. my first manager at Halstead when I hired on 16 years ago said to me, this is because I came from a very strong uh, corporate sales background. He said, this is not a sales job. Do not approach this as a sales job because if you do, you're going to fail. Mm. This is that is Michael Goldenberg? Yes. And he was thousand percent correct. And this is a marketing job and this is a, a way of you know persuading people that they need to be comfortable with buying real estate. And you know what? I've lived by that from day one, and it's so true, mm. and even more so in this market. Yeah, That's actually part of my um, – when I ex- when I explain what I do – I, I really don't think of myself as a salesperson at all. I you know, like I said earlier, you just have to have the knowledge and then you just share that knowledge and they can make their own educated decisions. Um, the only time that I ever feel like a salesperson is when we're looking at something that needs a lot of work and you've gotta, you know, use your imagination to open their imagination. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need to sell the idea. Um, but other than that, I 
I'm just the facilitator. All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. That's it for me. That's our show for today. Thanks to my guest, Jordan, and the panel, as always. Until next time, be kind to one another, as Anna Shagalov said. For all of us at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.